Listener Production. Shares, Market. the S&P, the ISX stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that has just had its very best January ever. Oh, oh, was it the ASX? It might have been the ASX. Anyway, to help me understand whether I'm right or wrong and what that might mean and a whole lot of other stuff over the next, well, let's be honest, hour or so, is the man himself, the man who founded strawman.com, the man who runs strawman.com, the man who does also cook, clean, and uh, wash the bottles. He is Andrew Page Esquire. How are you, buddy? Yeah, good. Someone's got to do it. So Someone's you know. got to do it. Yep. And I'm good, you mate. How are you? I'm very well. Wouldn't that thank be nice? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what that mean? Is it nice to have staff? <laughs> I, um, God, yes. Uh, yes, peers, colleagues, all that kind of good stuff. Team members. Yes, team have you members. Know, thank have you. you. Know Maccas are hiring for mates. Have you seen uh, those? Mates, ones? is it now? Okay. Cool, it's all like, cool. I, uh, it's like some, it's something more mates wanted or more mates needed is the big banner outside our local Maccas. Yeah, and it's kind of they're, they're looking for staff, which is, I don't know, I can never decide. <laughs> associates is one of those ones that you get to use in uh, US retail a lot. I think Walmart has Associates. Um, associates, okay. Min- yeah. we, we can just stick with Minions if you like. <laughs> Have you seen just the Rise wish, of- wish we had some. <laughs> Have you seen The Rise of Gru, the new kids movie, the Minions movie? I'm sure I have. I've seen a bunch of those things. That I can't Very pin good. down the exact one, but yeah, I'm sure I've, I've seen it. If, if, you know, probably eight times. We are on tangents on tangents, but it all remains is for me to ask you, what exactly strawman.com is, Andrew? We're, we're a private online investment club. Of course you are. As I you work well, for The Motley Fool well, and we give yeah, retail investment advice. Retail investors. Andrew loves retail investors. They're his favorite type of investor. Um, <laughs> he's shaking his head. We should just do some investors. video one day just for the, just yeah. for the facial responses. Uh, mate, uh, I, I did start by mentioning the best January ever for this podcast. That may or may not be true, but it apparently was the best January ever for the ASX, apparently since monthly records were started, I heard yesterday. Now, I will disclose uh, the amount of research, and this is probably not as much as I possibly should have done, uh, but it's just an interesting stepping off point. It was a great January, a really, really strong month, 8 plus percent in a single month, apparently best month ever. Uh, whether that's true or not, mate, a remarkable, remarkable launch for the new I, year. I thought you were being hyperbolic when you said um, ever. For the Apparently. market at the start of the pod, but wow! Okay. The, this is yeah. ASX, right? So I, I don't. Um, again, I, so I've heard it said. <laughs> it was I can't remember who said it. it was someone, some finance head, talking head, uh, at some point yesterday. I was recording this on Thursday, the second of Feb. Uh, yesterday, I heard someone say it was the best January ever on record for the ASX in terms of monthly records. Whether that's, that's true or not, eight percent still remarkable. It's amazing, and and to think too that that puts us oh, just an inch below the all-time record high. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? A nine-month high for the ASX as of yesterday. Yep. You know, the Fed's still lifting rates and there's still, you know, people calling for a session. It just just goes to show you how difficult it is to sort of gauge and anticipate the mood of the market. It's a a fickle beast. Mate, I I am going to... I don't don't have time to be narky, um, but part of me wants to be... You know, I I, I tweet and comment regularly. I've put on the record, I'm I'm massively Pollyanna, right? I'm an optimist all the time because generally speaking, optimism wins. Doesn't mean I'm going to be right at every market movement or every company or whatever, but generally speaking, if you believe the market's going to go up, you're probably going to be right uh, over a long enough time period. Anyway, so I normally use that approach to encourage people to invest. Like, you know what? I don't know what happens here, but... You know, I think the market will be higher in time. I think investing now makes a whole lot of sense. Will it go lower in the meantime? I don't know. All that sort of stuff. You know that. Yep. When I do that, every now and again, someone says, ah, oh, yeah, but just wait. We're about to have X or Y. Yeah. Uh, and I've, I was I was tweeting that sort of stuff. I wrote that sort of stuff in November, December last year. Um, missing an 8% gain in 25, 26 trading days is... Uh, again, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not running on their parade. I'm not taking joy in their misery. It just I just wanted to... We've said before that you know pessimism always sounds smarter, right? It just sounds smarter to be able to say, look at these potential problems. Oh yes, that's very serious. Oh yes, we maybe we should wait and see. And yeah. sometimes those problems do come true. But just I, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna say I don't know what more people need, right? Than the fact that almost someone literally fought, you know fired a shotgun on the first of January. And said, right, we're off. Go yeah. go go. You know, yeah. and 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 had you said no? that that was going to happen in late December, like right. you, you might have been you're putting yourself out on a limb there. Yeah, and I well, I would, I would never try and forecast, and I didn't know it was going to happen. And even if I was right, I would have been lucky. It was just more mm. the more, and the, I guess that was the point. I didn't know it was going to happen. That's exactly mm. the point. Yeah. Of if you were waiting for something, man, twenty days later you've missed eight percent. You know, that's not the only gain you can get. It's not you know, if you haven't, yeah. if you have missed it, I wouldn't say therefore don't invest. I'm not saying you can't go higher either. I'm just saying generally, um, looking at the bad news, saying well, but there might be a recession. I won't invest. 
Well, the market's yeah. up 8%. Well, yep. there might be this. Ukraine's still going. Yeah. China might do. Yeah. The market's up 8%. Um, all sentiment, pure sentiment. But I would argue also that sentiment was probably responsible for a lot of the falls last year. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple There's a couple uh, interesting stats. I'm going to bugger them up because I forget exactly what they are. But the gist... <laughs> The gist is, is that when you look at long-term market returns mm. or, you know, sort of over a multi-year period, you only need to take out, I, I'm going to forget the exact number, but something like 10, might even be five of the best trading days. Days, right? Not months or weeks or anything. Just take out those, those top performing days. And the overall result is substantially different. So, you know, the counter to that is it's just obviously that's true too if you happen to miss the, the worst performing days. But the point I guess we're making here is, is that it's so mm -hmm. diabolically hard to, to know what's going to happen and when those really great days are going to occur. And, and you can have correct. huge jumps in, during brutal structural bear markets and vice versa as well. So it's just, I think the, the point is, is that trying to guess the mood of the market is incredibly difficult. But if you're forecast, at some point you have to forecast mood, right? Mm -hmm. Because that, it's just such a big component of, of share prices. Share prices generally, right, whatever right. they're earning versus the multiple that mark, the market's happy to ascribe to those earnings. Yeah. So, so you know, it, it's going to always play a, a big impact. But when you say, I think there's a pretty good chance that at some stage over the next three, five, certainly five plus years, mm. there's a better than even chance, much, much better than even chance, the market will be in a good mood at some point along yes, there. Yeah, now that's yeah. extremely different from saying, I think there's gonna be a, a rally in the third quarter <laughs> based off this, this, yeah, and this. Yeah. One is just, you know, it's it's a complete thumb suck. The other is actually a very, very reasonable assumption. So you just, you rem it's, unfortunately you've got to sort of wait for it. You don't know when it's going to happen, but, um, you can be pretty reliant on that happening. And what you've got more control over, of course, is the companies you put your money in. And right. if if you're focusing on the companies who are managing to sort of, you know, um, keep the sales coming through the door and, and even, dare I say, grow it. And we've seen actually good examples of that in the recent quarterly result, even in the mm. small cap space. Brutal, mm -hmm. brutal bear market for a lot of growth tech stocks, but plenty of them still knocking double digit growth out, out of the park there. So if you just, you focus on that, and know that at some point in the future, the market will be more um, receptive mm -hmm. <laughs> to the results mm -hmm. that they're kicking. You yeah. know, it's you know it's going to come, but just as soon as you try and take it to that next level, which seems smart, which I'll just wait until this. I'm just <laughs> going to avoid that. You you end up yeah. shooting yourself in the foot. So unfortunately, yeah. the best advice we can give is 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 also the most emotionally challenging, which is yes. sorry, bud, you've just got to roll with the punches. <laughs> that's that's the price of admission. Yeah. But trust us, it's really it's really worth it in the long run. Mate, I want to um I want to pull up some data that I that I did. I, I was sent to our team yesterday. Um. You, you know Kathy Wood and Arc Capital. Yep. Kathy Wood is kind of the poster child, the poster girl for growth investing, hyper growth investing, tech investing. Uh, I would argue she is excessively hyperbolic and uh, and not very. Um, yeah, I think I think there's a role for people to be a little more conservative or simply just less over the top about this sort of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. She's in the business of raising capital for her ETF, um, right? So you can draw whatever conclusions you want from that. Um, she obviously wants to be right. She, I don't think she's necessarily lying about anything, um, mm -hmm. but she's got this really significant, you know, kind of hyperbole thing going. Uh, five years ago, the shares in Arc Investment, Arc Innovation ETF, is what mm -hmm. it's called, were thirty nine dollars and eighty cents US. Mm -hmm. About uh, early twenty twenty one, they got up to one hundred and sixty odd bucks. Mm -hmm. Call it a four bagger in you know two or two years, two and a half years. Mm. Now, $39.93. Mm. So if you weren't paying attention before, $39.80 to start, $39.93 now, a gain mm. of exactly $0.13 cents or 0.33%. Now, I, I'm not going to engage in, again, the schadenfreude of, of ha-ha, Cathy's Rowling, et cetera, et cetera. What I, what I think is important to just think about is the basic fundamentals of investing, as you've just talked about beautifully, uh, and the so what. Because we, we talked about internally uh, the, the idea of, you know, she makes a good case. She's with pretty pictures and big dreams. And what if robotics is this? And what if AI is that? And what if cryptos are this? And what if something else is that? And it's a really, really, really easy. Um, so it's very seductive to believe yeah. for herself and for us to believe and fall for. And we got to talk about Warren Buffett. And Kevin Gandy, our director of research, uh, made, made the point, you know, he said, the older I get, the more respect I have for Warren Buffett, who doesn't 
you know, it doesn't fall for the FOMO stuff. Because I was asking the guys, look, you know, that fall from 160 bucks to 30, back to $39 for this ETF. Maybe we look back and say, that was the time to buy. The market was overly pessimistic. Everything crashed out. After that, it doubled in the next year. Man, what a time to buy. Or we look back yeah. and go, man, the $160 price was stupid. Now it's back to normal. That makes more sense. Yeah. You know, this is more reasonable. My guess is it's somewhere in between. But Kevin's point was more just, you know, Buffett who has for decades and decades, about once a decade, gets told he's lost it, he's passed it, he's not up with the new new tech. Uh, why is Buffett buying tech companies? Obviously, it's a whole new circle of competence, all those things that he gets tarred with. Um, and Kevin just looked, you know, the older I get, the, the more respect I have for him. I, I kind of added to that. The, the story of Buffett having moved, he literally, so he lived in Omaha, Nebraska, in the Midwest of the US. He went to New York for, because that's where you go if, you, if you're an investor and you learn and you trade and you do all those things. And at some point, he basically said, I'm leaving, I'm going to Omaha. Mm. There is too much stimulation here. I don't, want, I don't want to deal with this stuff. I don't think it's good for my investment decision making. All these people telling me what to do and what not to do and the hype and excitement and pessimism and all those things. Yeah. And so he says, you know what? Now, he's a homebody, I imagine. I imagine he probably loves Omaha. So that's, you know, it wasn't the hardest decision in the world. But at some point he says, you know what? Being in New York is actually bad for me. Mm. having to try and you know work out what this person's saying that person's saying he just goes mm. and it's not just it's not just and this is I mean, I'm a massive Buffett fan as you well know and so do our listeners but it's not just that it's the fact that he doesn't do analyst conference calls mm. he has created a culture at Berkshire where you know we've seen tech companies like Facebook and others lay off heaps of staff partly because maybe they made a mistake hiring too many mostly because in my view particularly with Meta but certainly others as well the market said You've got too many costs. You've got no profit. You need to fix this. We're going to smash your share price until you fix it. So CEOs slavishly say, okay, sure, I'll fire these people because you want me to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and Buffett's never gone for that. He's, he's said, you know, this is my business. This is what I'm doing. This is how I'm doing it. I'm going to keep doing it. I'm not going to do analyst calls. I'm not going to talk to fund managers. I'm just going to do my thing. And the market can decide what it thinks. If the market thinks the shares are too cheap, well, I've got a buyback in place. If the market thinks they're too expensive, well, so be it. And I just, I just really liked that 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 kind of comparison not necessarily a Kathy Wood versus Buffett it's not not a fair comparison but just that broad idea of for everything you've just mentioned about you know what happens with sentiment everything else mm. Buffett just gone you know what I'm going to sit in my office in Omaha he only got a computer a few years ago um, actually pays bridge on it apparently you know but that idea of just I'm going to I'm going to do the right thing at the right time with the right companies at the right price that's just what I do and yeah. it's easy to say and it sounds too basic too simple right but avoiding that stuff Avoiding that stuff over the last, whatever. If you bought these Ark Innovation shares in in 2021, you've lost 75 percent of your money. You know, yeah. um, and again, I'm not saying it can't go back up. It may well. This is not a case of Kathy's wrong. It's just a case of, you know, being able to, to separate yourself from the hype or the pessimism, and do your own thing. It's just a, it's a superpower. Yeah, he, he speaking of Buffett, he he talks a lot about the uh, the characteristics of of great investors and. Mm intelligence doesn't feature that highly. I mean, yeah, right. you know, people, he, he's not a, well, maybe it's, maybe he is a genius, but he's, he's, he's he is, but I'm sure he's yeah. not, I'm sure he's not blowing people out of the water with his IQ. It's not, it's not yeah, that correct. far up, up the bell curve, right? The, the him and him and Charlie, I think there's, there's two things that just worth highlighting again and again. The first is patience mm. and they'll sit on mountains of cash, mountains of cash earning yeah. bugger all return, by the way, in treasury bills and the rest of it just because there's nothing compelling out there. Mm-hmm. And that actually, that, that can hurt them. And that's why you get these articles written every 10 years, because this usually happens during periods of market exuberance and certain exciting stocks are flying through the roof and they're just sitting on this pile of cash and like, what are you <laughs> yeah, doing, right. you silly old man type, yeah, exactly. type thing. But, but it's just that ability mm-hmm. to sit in a room quietly on your hands and not do anything when the, when the world around you is losing their minds is an mm-hmm. incredibly difficult thing to do. So I think that's that's worth calling out. Not just the patience in waiting for a, an opportunity, mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily some huge fat pitch, just until it makes sense, right? Um, and not timing or anything like that. So the, the patience on that part of it, but also once the investment is made, the patience to see that realized. You know, it's it's no, it's it, these investments, especially with the sums they're talking, they're not based on the next couple of years outlook. They're looking out sort of decades as well. Right. So again, that, that patience thing is just massive. And the other thing is consistency, which you which you kind of touched on there before, which is just mm. that they've been doing the same thing in their own style again and again, year after year, decade <laughs> after decade. Yeah. I know his style changed from the early days, but really mm. for the last 
gosh, 30 odd years, it's been a pretty consistent odd strategy. We've seen huge technological change and industry disruption and the rest of it. And he's always, you know, he's very late to tech. Apple's their biggest position, but took him ages to sort of get there. But, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not like he suffered along, along the way, but but there for me, those things for me are the, the big lessons is, is to have patience and to have that consistency with what you do. Um, it's, it's just a superpower. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a really, really good point. Um, and look, you know, again, I, it's, a, you know, it's really strange, mate. Like for all of the stuff we talk about when it comes to Buffett, it, I just, I, I am absolutely enamored with the bloke. He's done a spectacularly good job. And I think it's easy to, it's easy to, because it's so frankly boring, right? Mm. Who, who's excited about this old bloke in Omaha just doing boring stuff like investing when these people out there doing robotics and AI and whatever else those things are doing? And, and it, you know, I'm not saying it's not cool. It's, it's spectacularly cool. But you don't have to, like the, the money's made in, it doesn't even matter what the business is, right? It's just a question of valuing it appropriately. You can make yeah. a squillion dollars in AI, you make a squillion dollars in garbage collection and literally everything in between. Mm. As long as you're, as I understand the business well and you buy it at the right price. And, it, and that sounds... It sounds stupidly obvious to the point of being not worth worrying about. So let's worry about the exciting stuff instead. Um, you know, Buffett has had a 55, 56-year career and I'm just going, do I understand it? Is it available at a good price? Am I getting a good return? Yes. Okay, I'll buy it. Yeah. And it's like, that. you know, do, do, you, do you want money or don't you? Like that, that's, you know, it's almost that simple. There are different ways of doing it. I'm not saying you have to do it like Buffett. You can do it with tech. You can do it with all sorts of stuff. Sure. Uh, just, just be mindful. That's the, that's the implication, right? Yeah. And, you know, we obviously talk about Buffett. Everyone does. It's just such a great example to use. But the thing I'd like to highlight is as well is there's thousands of investors you'll never hear the names of because they're just not that big, just private investors. Dare I say retail investors, Scott, to use that horrible term, (laughs) you know, that horrible condescending term. But- But I, I know I know a bunch of people who just manage their own money, a little portfolio. Yeah. They've they've suffered the ups and downs of the market, but over long periods of time, like mm. thrashed the market, thrashed yeah. the market. You know, 15, yeah. 16% compound over 15 years. I mean, mm. nev- there'll never be a book written about them. They're not a- attending any podcast. <laughs> but yeah. I guess it's worth highlighting to, to listeners out there who, who may feel as though it's so, so beyond you. It's just sort of like, you know, again, that, mm-hmm. these are people of all, like all of us, made huge mistakes and blunders and suffered multi-year drawdowns and, and all the rest of it. But those two characteristics, they're patient, they're consistent, they're, um, they're, they're learners, I think, is it? they're curious mm-hmm. people, they're learners, and they've just, they've got their, their, their day jobs, you know, their normal lives, but they just plug away at it. And, and um, it's, it's, it is accessible if, if you can focus on those right things. And again, not get too excited because, oh, the market's been the strongest January ever. Now I'm going to pile in and, oh, now, now the market's down 10%. I better get out. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the really, um, yeah, the, the hard part <laughs> exactly and it's also it, but it, yeah it, again as you say that's the that's the important stuff and i think it's just not um i guess i'm just saying don't get caught up with the fomo stuff right because we've seen you and i've seen it so many times i was asking on radio the other day about um the the kind of similarities of of the tech share prices falling in whatever uh, this last eight months looking back to 2001 and thinking you know what you know the, sorry we had the january is the best month in the US since 2001, whatever it was. Some, some idea of, hey, guess what? Look, look how well these things are going. Mm. Um, the tech's on the way back. It's like, well, yeah. Uh, best type of tech since 2001. Yeah, because that kind of followed a, a fall. That's kind of what happens. Um, mm. There is something, there is some value of being a bit older and having a bit more experience, having been through these things before. Because, you know, while Zuck and other people make, Elon will make a fortune from tech and, and good on them. And I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying people shouldn't. I'm just saying, separate out the excitement. You shouldn't be investing for excitement, right? You should be investing to make money, to, to, to do the really simple, hopefully fun, but investment analysis, business analysis, buy things you like and let them do their thing. And then go yeah. and do exciting things like, you know, jump out of airplanes or do whatever you want to do. <laughs> if, you're, if, you're, if you're investing for, or if you find yourself getting a, a, a kick out of the whole volatility and excitement or whatever, Again, back to the Buffett thing. That's that was exactly why Buffett left New York City. So just just remember that when you're doing your investing. Can I just just um, on Kathy and and Ark Invest? I, I actually um, just to tease that apart a bit more. I mm. actually have a lot of sympathy for her general outlook on the future in terms of trends and technologies and the rest of it. Mm. You know, yeah. it's not, not. I'm not saying I agree with everything, but you know, yep. I just uh, the broad thesis. I'm on board. You know, I'm yep. I'm always I'm always a sucker for for technology and and <laughs> and the things that that can do. Totally. Yeah, but I yeah. think the, I think the mistake from the last couple of years was it just. I know it's easy to say in hindsight, but I think <laughs> to our credit, we were sort of saying it at the time. It just you had these wonderful transformative businesses 
but they were just at insane multiples. Yes, you know. Correct. So I think I think that was the mistake. So. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 it's it's too often, I make this point almost every week, it's too often that people get sucked into what you might call narrative investing. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. first level, oh, this is yes, going to be yes, good, yes, therefore yes. buy. It's like, yes. yeah, but, it's, you know, not at any price. You know? yes. <laughs> so I, I, I think if, if you were a believer in the themes that Kathy is talking about, and I'm mm. not going to say this is the bottom or even that it's good value, but I, I will say definitively, it's a hell of a lot more attractive than it than it was a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, and yet, ironically, it's it's probably much less appealing right, to investors exactly. just by virtue of the fact that that it was down. So, exactly, you know. And again, I want to make the I want to make the point on both on both directions. Right, the market gains may not last. Mm-hmm. Um, of the last month or so, the falls in Ark Invest and Ark Innovation, other other you know tech stocks, also may not last. They might jump back up again. We look back and go, that was when it was cheapest. They went back to fair value at something higher than this. Um, yeah. It is it, there is massive, massive danger in saying this just happened. Therefore, I know what you know. That, that therefore, that's the end of the story. If you're selling your yeah. shares now, you're crystallizing a seventy five percent loss. Okay, well that's it. If you bought on January one, you're selling today. You've got eight percent gain. Great. But yep. the next month and two months and six months and 12 months and five years and 20 years and 25 years, that's the, that's the story, right? I'm not saying everything has to be held for 25 years. All I'm saying is don't, don't take small periods of time and say, oh, therefore it must be terrible. Um, Can I give you like, a- Go on. Uh, so I have to give you an example of that just, just because I, I brought up ARK Invest uh, Fund um, while, you, while you're talking there. Yeah. So good, good case in point to what you're exactly talking about. Market price of 37.75 on June 13th last year, 2022. Oh, yeah. It just you know br- brutally fallen from 160 bucks. It then rallied up in the space of <laughs> right. a month or six weeks or something to over mm-hmm. 50 bucks. Like the percentage gain on that is what well, significant. Like one third gain. Yep. 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 Not bad. But then of course it dropped. Uh, all the way back again to thirty dollars, so it's a forty percent fall <laughs> from there. So again, had you taken that cue of mm. now it's passed, and, and and this is not just uh, an isolated example with Arc. You actually you actually see this with markets in general and just with individual shares that you you very typically see huge what they call bear market rallies. And again, mm. so it's just so what the what's the so what the so what is don't take your cue from that your your cue <laughs> exactly. as always again to flog flog out one of our favourite dead horses mm-hmm. is is it does it make sense in and of itself is there yeah. value there if you couldn't have someone a greater fool to flip this to in a month or something would you still be happy to hold this based on its revenues cash flows prospects and all all of that kind of good stuff mm. and uh, yeah if, if if that's what what you're focused on you're going to avoid these these silly bear market traps and fluctuations. Yep, I like it. I think we've done that one to death, mate. But it's it's just it's it is it is probably I won't say it's the only thing, but it's not. There's not much more that matters if you don't get that bit. The rest is going to lead you lead you astray. Um, yep. uh, look, we've so we talked about we've talked about that a little bit. We've talked about uh, some of the the January results, and as much as we're talking about Ark and other things, the the recovery in tech has been remarkable. Mm. And I'm I'm curious as to just just to kind of let's make it a bit more practical for a second over that period of time. Uh, what, what's your take on the resurgence? Is it dead cap bounce stuff? Is there value there? Is it, uh, you know, is it is it purely sentiment? Are there opportunities there? Um, you're someone who spends a lot of time in the small cap space and generally small cap growth. I think it's fair to say. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yep. Uh, what's what are you seeing particularly at a, at a company level at a sector level that looks interesting, or or, or just how are you how are you perceiving what's happening out there in terms of opportunities for investors? It's actually a great time to ask that question because um, with small cap companies, you uh, or companies that haven't—I forget what the exact threshold is—you haven't um, hit profitability yet or something. So you have to report cash flow statements every quarter. Mm. Um, so we've gone through that period. So we've actually had updates from a whole raft of companies. Now a lot of these tech growth companies were the hardest, they were the earliest hit, and they were the mm. hardest hit. And yes, in a lot right. of cases, they were deservedly so because they just again <laughs> the valuations got a little bit silly. Yep. Yep. But what's been interesting is there's there've been some that have just bounced back incredibly well, and it's I think driven by a few things. Given where the focus of the market is at the moment, they they tend to share these characteristics. They tend to have pretty decent balance sheets. They tend to be seeing consistent um, trends in in their sales growth rate. Um, and even better if they're tipping in or getting much closer to cash flow positivity. That's really the focus of the market, given mm. the higher cost of borrowing and different, you know, uh, capital raising considerations, etc. So if you've managed to do all of that, in other words, the things that got you excited about this a year ago, it's like, well, actually, as far as the business is concerned, if I didn't have the share price to look at, and all I got was a, you know, I could compare the last quarterly to the most recent quarterly, it's like. 
huh, okay, yep. Think maybe maybe not much better than what I thought. Maybe not much worse, but you know, basically, it is it is on track. I think they've been the ones where we're starting to see a little bit of opportunistic behavior by the by the market. Mm. Um, again, I don't know if that that means it's all over and mm. it's it's all all blue sky from here, but. Mm. It was indiscriminate selling, I felt at one point, and it, it presented a lot of opportunities. And I, I think to, there's a good a case, I've talked about Ava Risk Group before, a small, small company owned. They just reported a 50% increase, or saying they expect a 50% odd increase um, in, their, in their first half uh, uh, revenue. It's just like, well, that's, that's fantastic. And the share price hasn't moved <laughs> at all. And so everything's sort of coming to, to, to bear here, and you think, huh. Okay, now is is it nice to wake up and then see an announcement like that, and in some cases, sort of see the market react very positively? Yes, but even then, even there are still examples out there. I think where it's sort of like the market, for whatever reason, um, is just not yet paying attention to. So it's it's worth remembering in the best of times and the worst of times and just <laughs> average times. There's always opportunity if on a stock mm. on a stock specific basis. Mm. Most of the time, as I said before, you'll be sitting around waiting, and then even after you pull a trigger, you'll spend a lot of time waiting uh, uh, after that. But once things start to add up, and there'll be there'll be you know you look hard enough, there'll always be a few things that do. Um, that's that's the stuff to pay attention to. Hmm. I one thing that really grates at me, mate, and we kind of it's almost taking us back full circle to Buffett. Is we saw a lot of small companies, air quotes, pivot. We love love jargon and slang and cliches. Pivot to profitability or as much profitability as they could come to. And on one hand, you say that's because the market told them to. Mm -hmm. the, you know, shares got crashed. Okay, well, we better we better earn the market's faith by delivering some profit. On the other hand. It is a very real situation, particularly cash burning companies who are saying, well, I'm going to run out of money here and I don't know if I can get it again because the market sucks and so I've got to or, preserve or my cash. Or highly dilutive if I do. Right, right. Yep. Um, and, and or somewhere in between where there's a combination of, of both of those things. I, I'm not sure what I think about this, mate. If you, if you make your bed and you say, I'm going to run it, I'm going to try and grow an ASX listed business by burning a heap of cash and trusting and hoping that the market will be there for me when I need it, that's kind of the Buffett you know, version of you know, never want to rely on the kindness of strangers. Mm. And if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. So on one hand, I'm saying to those companies, and frankly, they're investors without being too harsh. If you, if, you, if you ran a company or invested in a company that was going to burn cash and had hoped to simply just raise more money at some future point from the market, you're always playing chicken. Because yep. at some point, there's going to be a massive truck coming down the road in the, in the form of lower share prices or higher interest rates or both in this case, and you're going to struggle for cash. And if you took that bet, you were literally waiting for zero to come up on the roulette wheel and it was all over. Mm -hmm. And you, mm -hmm. if you were lucky, you got through. If you weren't, you didn't. So that's, yep. that's the critical, maybe slightly cynical approach. The other one is that fund managers who've said to fund companies, if you want your share price to be high, you need to start making some profits. I'm pretty sure, I think I might have said this before, I'm pretty sure that We'll never know because you can't know the future that doesn't happen, the counterfactual, as we call it. Mm. But I'm pretty sure that we've got a big... Um, there's a lot of value that would have been created that won't be. Some mm. of those growth companies are on this growth trajectory that chose to pull their horns in or felt forced to for one reason or another will not now get to some of those places because they'll be beaten by somebody else or circumstances yep. will have changed. Some will, some will just be delayed, which is fine. And I just, I can't help but think, mate, that but for a bit of spine by some companies and frankly, a bit of a tidier balance sheet with, with more cash, um, some of these businesses would have been able to continue their growth story. And in one year, three years, five years, look back and say, look how much, look what we built. Lucky we didn't mm. pull our horns in on sales and marketing. Lucky we didn't, yep. you know, stop that R&D process. I, I just, again, it is what it is, right? Companies make their own mm. bed, so so be it. But I don't know, it, it feels like circumstances like this are the times when they're robbing themselves we're being robbed of some of the innovations and growth they might have been able to achieve that's tr that's true um at the same time there's been a lot of growth expenditure that was just silly like just no re no sensible return hurdles or employ <laughs> yeah, right. you know what i mean there was a lot of money just sloshing around chasing stupid straight chasing stupid stuff so we'll put an end yeah. to that yeah. And I suppose that's still good overall for the economy because even if they're wasting money with someone else's income, <laughs> it's, mm. it's, it's sloshing around. But it's, it's, there's been a lot of companies, I feel, that, that had excess 
expenditure or expenditure that wasn't justified by the return expectations yeah. that'll put an end to it. Um, what, what does that say about the companies though themselves? I mean, if, if that is the case- Bad capital right? allocators. Bad. Look, it, you don't know, here's Buffett right. again, you don't know who's swimming naked till the tide goes out. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. you can you can really hide a lot of bad capital allocation decisions when when there's mm. lots of lots of free money lying around. And you know, yeah. and you, you can, and the, you, the market's only focused on the top line and this kind of stuff. Um, but all, all the good companies will actually, no matter how good the times are, they, they want to make sure that their investment decisions are sensible. They want to make yeah. sure that there's there's money in the kitty for a rainy day. And mm. and they're the ones that, that when the tide does go out, it's like, well, it sucks. We preferred it when there was <laughs> there was more water around, but mm. we're still fine, you know? Yeah. And and it, it's 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 just always a question of, and so I've said, I've said to you before, there's various big sort of checks checks for me but before you you do really anything on a company the general idea has to be that a it's around in three to five years and it's a bigger company at that point mm-hmm. <laughs> and and come what may so that a company that's sort of got that potential even in more difficult times facing a few headwinds and the rest of it that's such a such an important point to kind mm-hmm. of take and that will that will depend on well what how, why where are you spending your money why are you spending it there are you likely to get a good return a yeah. good example here again just to get into specifics i may mention this before I had shares in catapult for years and it's it's been a mixed performer for me okay overall but like far from a success i'll admit uh-huh. that um but they anyway they do this sports analytics stuff and they just had incredible 20 percent top line growth for years still still mm. achieving that on an annual recurring run rate basis blah 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 but the, the prior management team were just they just so bloated they were terrible at, at integrating businesses you know and it just it 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 all came out <laughs> as it always does eventually. And now we've got a new management team that's almost got three years under under the desk there who have been desperately trying to to turn that around. We spoke to the CFO, um, Hayden Stockdale, actually uh, just this week and right. make, making the point that absolutely, because I, I really wanted to know, it was like, what, what are the return hurdles? And they use this rule of thought, 40 kind of thing. Now, that is it. There's only so much cash. We know we've got to get to viability. Any decision that we make, has to cross this kind of threshold. We at least have very high expectations that it will. Otherwise, we're not going to do it. Now, plans and strategies are one thing. Execution is another. So I don't want to suggest anything here. Mm. But at least the focus is right. It just would have been better if that focus was the focus all the way through because we'd have a very different outcome now. So that that's the kind of questions you need to be always asking of a, of a business is, is um, you know, are you, are you preparing for future growth, but are you doing it in a prudent way? Does that mean I, I'm tempted? I'm tempted to almost put a, I was going to say a red line. I'll say a yellow line, an orange line, through any company that's cut costs to, to kind of you know get back to profitability on the very basis to your point of, either you've crueled your future growth potential, or in the past you ran this business so badly and so wantonly, so wastefully that you had enough to cut without even impacting the business, in which case, what the yeah. bloody hell? Like it, it I don't, Yeah, but that's, 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 that's going to be the case a lot of the time. And and better better that you do that mm. now rather than continue right. with the mistake. Yeah. But I, but I guess I'm thinking about as investors, does that not make you think this is a company, a board, a CEO who clearly doesn't get it, who, who yes. I would be foolish yes. to remain invested with? Yeah, for me once, you know, right, shame right. on you type thing. For me twice, shame on me. So, so I, I think so. So for for me, what counts there is that there is a recognition, acceptance, admission of that. In yeah. this case, there was it's a, it's a different management team. Um, uh, so, you know, so you, you'll cut them some slack, and they'll they'll no doubt be desperately trying to distance themselves mm-hmm. from from previous egregious sort of errors. So we'll, we'll <laughs> see. But but that is a very big big part of it, I think. And I'm I think anyone who's run a business is is more sanguine with these kinds of things because mm-hmm. I don't care if you're Jeff Bezos or you know <laughs> Elon Musk. You got you to make a bunch of mistakes. That's that's the nature yeah. of business. Yeah. You make a bunch of bets and, and a lot of them don't work out. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not. It's a mistake, I suppose, but they're unavoidable mistakes to to a large extent. The real mistake is powering ahead when all evidence suggests otherwise and and allowing that to right, continue. Right, right. Great least, companies. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, yeah, we thought this yeah. was a good idea. Hey, it wasn't. We're winding it back. And, you yeah. know, the market will go, oh, I should have, you know, could have, would have. It's like, well, what do you what do you do at that point? So it's that candid, uh, honest, data-driven mm. view of management and, and, and responsive by management that I'm, I'm actually, I'm really, 
I'm really open to because you kind of you kind of have to. The other end of the extreme is you're so conservative that you don't do anything, and you eventually just get overrun by competitors who are more uh, innovative and more and more risk taking. So it's this it's this this really tricky middle ground that you have to stand. But if you can't even be honest about the situation, then then you're not gonna you're not gonna trick me again. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Let's move on, mate, if, if I can. I want to stay in a similar kind of area around corporate allocation, but just in the last literally 25 minutes, 40 minutes, we've seen two very opposite things happening when it comes to capital in markets. Facebook, now called Meta, uh, because you have to change your name Meta to sound like a metaverse, because that's cool. Uh, by the way, change your, change your corporate name, very good chance that's a business worth avoiding. Mm. Uh, Meta is now going to buy back up to, get this number, $56 billion worth of shares. Uh, now... That if, yeah, like well, anyone's language. Well, I, I, I don't know how one one percent of the, the market. Well, so this is this, this is, and I guess I want to talk about. So the shares, by the way, are up eighteen percent uh, after hours after they announced that. So again, by the time this gets to where people know exactly what's going on, but Meta shares were three hundred seventy-eight dollars in late twenty twenty-one. Mm. Now one hundred and fifty-three. Right. So what's that? A sixty odd percent fall, something like that. Got down as low as ninety bucks. By the way, astonishing, astonishing fall. Um, now Zuck fired some people to uh, right size the business, and again, uh, one of those. Does Zuck believe in the metaverse or not? Because if you did, you should be sticking your sticking your guns. If you didn't, then what the hell were you doing in hiring that many people and wasting that much money? So let me mm. let me leave that as aside. But they're going to buy back fifty-six billion dollars worth of shares now. This is one of the better buybacks potentially than most. Most CEOs are buying back shares when they're at record highs just because that tends to be what happens. Um, at least Zuck is buying back at a, at a relatively low price. The shares are down, by the way, 20% over the last five years. So, you know, not a five-year low. Just, just to contrast but, that, they're up 50% since October. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, which is the crazy the story. The yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So look, so you know, that that's one thing. On the other hand, we've got a little Australian company called Drone Shield, which has this morning announced a capital raising. And the capital raising is apparently to take advantage of what's a, a very high share price, at least relative to where it's been in the past, to raise some more capital to kind of, you know, to do what we just talked about, uh, put some money in the coffers to help to get some of that growth that has been hopefully, on the company's agenda for a while. And again, speaking of share prices, this one has doubled since December, which is remarkable. So I guess if you're a CEO, you're like, well, it's almost a record price over the last year or so. Why don't I go and grab some cash while I can? Um, capital raisings and, and buybacks, mate, they are they're different sides of the same coin. I... <sighs> It's funny, you know, you talk about capital allocation. We've said before, capital allocation is the number one job of, of CEOs. By the same token, and this is me being cynical, I don't reckon many of them are that good at it because no. they're very rarely appointed to the job because they're great capital allocators. In small companies, it's either the founder or the chief salesperson. In some bigger companies, it might be the old CFO, but it's probably the old com chief commercial officer or something else. The people who make the money happen, make the, make the rain fall, tend to get these jobs. Which is again, I'm not, not bagging all of them, but I would I would hazard a guess that relatively few, and I'd say almost very few CEOs deeply understand capital allocation, well, and yet we see so much of this buybacks and capital raisings. It's hard to avoid. I mean, I, I, you know, how do you avoid any company that does either if they don't do it well enough? Uh, because it's, just, it's become a bit of a Cancer is too strong a word, but it's become way too prevalent in a, in in the Australian context. Mm. Um, the US, a lot of buybacks in the last few years because cash was abundant and and you know rates were low. Um, I, I just I, I find both these things fascinating. I can't help but feel in both cases. Uh, I probably think Facebook seems better than Drone Shields, quite honestly. Maybe Drone Shield goes on and doubles, quadruples, ten x's from here, and it was well worth it because they bought this technology or they made this thing or they put this marketing in place and they, they grew the company. So I'm not going to say they're doing the wrong thing. Um, Facebook's got a truckload of cash and the shares are at least historically cheap. So I guess that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, 14 PE is Facebook. Right. Yeah. But in either case, mate, I just, I, 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 I just, I'm, I'm generally skeptical in both cases more often than not because people making these calls on, you know, multi-billion dollar or multi-million dollar raises or buybacks, uh, <laughs> the, odd, the odds of success are almost coin toss, I reckon. Yeah. Now, there, there are times where... Uh, 
a capital raise makes a heck of a lot of sense, right? I'll actually yeah. talk about Drone Shield in a moment because I actually know them pretty well. Um, we had the MD Oleg Vornak come speak to our members in October, actually, which was really nice timing. <laughs> um, so there, there's a bit to say there, but I just wanted to touch on the points you made. I would say, what are the, if you ask me what were the key roles of a mm. CEO, I would say setting the culture and I would say capital allocation. Yep. So it's, it's funny that you say so many of them are bad at it. I agree, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it's it is the, one of the key roles. The board will set the general strategy strategy and direction, um, but it's the CEOs in the chairs saying, "Well, where do we put the money? Where? What am I? How am I? I've got so much at resources at, at my control. How do I how do I do things here?" Yeah. And it just yeah. capital allocation is everything. So it, it's it's um, when when you find a, a a CEO that is good at that and has a good record of that, pay attention because mm -hmm. it. it you know, there's always going to be some luck involved, but it, it's probably a pretty good, pretty good signal. Um, Drone Shield's interesting um, in the sense that they, you know, it's one of these companies. I remember I first came onto my radar years ago, fitted the mold of, of something you'd stay a mile away from. You know, interesting, interesting kind of tech that sounded really cool and futuristic, but yeah. just bleeding cash, you know, always yeah. on the cusp of winning some contract and, you know, total addressable markets in the hundreds of millions of dollars. And, you know, it's a gonna, gonna company, I like to call them. Yeah. Like, we're gonna do it, but they, they usually statistically don't. What was interesting with these guys is that they've gotten to the point where it's like the there's actual real product out there and there's actually real traction on their sales. And mm -hmm. um, as horrible as the situation is in Ukraine, that has actually been a wonderful uh, tailwind for them because mm -hmm. uh, all mm -hmm. of a sudden their product is in increasing demand. But also just outside of that, airports and sporting venues and the rest of it are seeing an increasing need for this and the technology is being validated. So it kind of goes from one of these sort of cool, quirky, they've got these sort of gun, really cool laser gun looking things that like knock knock drones out of the sky. And, you know, it's all, you can imagine the, the invested pitch decks, like they're, they're lots of lots of cool um, images in there, but it's a viable product with a, with a definite market and, and growing traction. And, and now you've got the opportunity to, investors are often cynical of this. I, I think again, on the proviso that you've got good, use for this capital with expectations for good return, it actually makes a heck of a lot of sense to raise at a higher price. There's less dilution for existing shareholders. The way to say it technically is your cost of capital has gone and you have taken on new, new money at a far lower price because you haven't had to wear as much dilution. And if you're able to do that and people are happy to pony up the money at that higher value, that's, that's actually... Um, a really good thing. Now, I don't want to. I don't, I don't own shares in Drone, Drone Shield, for the record. I wish I had bought some when <laughs> when we spoke to Oleg. Um, but it's it's always go. I guess my point here is is always look at the detail. And your your caution is right though, because too often it is not done well. Um, but you've got to. You've got to, sometimes it can be a wonderful thing. As I guess is my counterpoint. And you've, that's that's the tricky part. You got to work it out. Yeah. And that's always the, that's what I mean. The, the exceptions that prove the rule. That's almost the point, right? If you if you can get that right, uh, you, you can you can do quite nicely and kind of make something of that. Um, yeah, I am I am reminded. Oh, I have no I have no thoughts about drone shield necessarily, other than mate, I will say in two thousand sixteen they had one hundred thirty five million million shares outstanding. Uh, by twenty eighteen it was two hundred eighty two million. Twenty nineteen two hundred fifty two million. 2020, 389 million. 2021, 418 million. And then another capital raising to take it to whatever the number ends up being as a yep. result of this last And that raising, that is so. that is 100% par for the course for yes, these pre-profit companies. You know, correct, so it's, it's, I, you go, I, I certainly go in with that expectation, well, if, yep. I, if I am uh, that early, yep. and, I, and I have been before. Um, you, yes, absolutely. Now, again, it's not a bad thing. If they raise money, and mm. let's say some stupid example, they- they raise so much money that you're you're diluted in half. Yeah. Um, but that money well, Webjet did exactly that, by the way. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. And and but but let's say in 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 this case that you've taken that money and you've gotten a some that's generated a thirty percent internal rate of return over the next ten years or something like right, hey exactly that's fantastic right um uh so yeah <laughs> it's it's what am I trying to say here um. What I will say regarding Drone Shield is over that period of time, they've gone from zero revenue virtually to 17 million in the space of three years. Again, you imagine you and I starting a business and doing that. And they've gone from one million in cash receipts or so in 2018 to 15 million last year, uh, reporting record orders of these big military uh, uh, organizations. It's kind of like this things, things seem to be 
doing well. But the point I'll make is what's interesting, and again, just back to market psychology, now, quote unquote, retail investors are getting interested. Oh, yeah. the share price has gone up. Oh, they've won a big, you know, and good on you again. I don't want to make the case that, that you're, you're too late or, or, or you're not. I don't, want to, I don't want to touch on that. But just yeah, my yeah. observation, that's when you get interested. And when we were talking to them and looking at them last year, basically, I mean, there's, there's definitely been some encouraging announcements since then. Mm-hmm. But had, had you had faith in management and, and there's a lot of that track record I was talking about was already sort of outed then. That's the time to get excited, but no one is. No one is because oh, it's it's down and rah 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 rah. So it's just again, just highlighting that 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 same observation. Um, the devil's in the detail. Look at the business. Contrast that with the price. What's the capital? Where's it coming from? What's it cost? What's it going to return? All of these kinds of things. And you you might be listening to this going, that sounds like a hell of a lot of work and well outside of my depth. But you'd be surprised how much you'll glean just from reading a few of the announcements and staying up to date with a company. And and uh, it, yeah, as I say, it's worth it. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to pick on on Trine Shield too much, actually. Uh, I, I do. I won't. And I don't. I don't want to come across as supporting it or, or pumping. No, 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 no. no. I, I'm also. I'm also. We've got, we've got hooked in on it. You know. So I'm, I'm just going to make a couple of points. And again, just just for the sake of providing some some kind of broader, bigger picture, I don't necessarily disagree with you, mate. But uh, two things: a company that announces record sales. Uh, it should be should be every company almost ever unless you're a cyclical business uh, unless your business is declining every year you're probably going to have record sales more years than not Woolies has record sales most years right um, yeah. so I, I'm just 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 for the sake of being being a little bit pointed yeah any company who's growing will claim record sales and it will be record sales almost by definition um, so just just be just be a little bit careful with that the other one is um, is you, you mentioned retail investors getting excited and again I have no view on drone shield or its um, value or any of that like literally no idea other than in 2019. Uh, the shares went from 10 cents in April 2019 to 42 cents in October 2019. Yep. Right, yep. pretty good. A pretty good, uh, you know, six month return. Uh, Four you times your money, right? Yep. And then went back down to nine cents by April 2020, and has not yet been back to that 40 cent price in 2019. And again, I'm not yep. saying it won't. I have no view of what happens next. All I will say is particularly with small businesses or businesses that have a huge amount of, again, retail investor, in air quotes, interest, um, momentum can drive share price all over the joint. So just be really careful, right? I don't, yeah. I, we should talk about this a couple of months time and see what shape the graph looks like. Because yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe this is the another another one of those short, high, peaky mountains uh, that crashes down the other side. Or maybe it goes higher and higher again and never, never again touches 37 cents, which it was before this was announced. So, you know, th- those things are all really possible. Um, I don't have any view on it other than I'm almost allergic to investor interest, mate, in these in these sort of things because sometimes they're absolutely because again exceptions and rules. Sometimes they're absolutely indicative of a business getting its act together. I was going to say something else. I said mm. act instead because well, that sort of show. <laughs> um, but uh, you know what I mean. But sometimes it's just hey, investors got a little bit excited about this thing, and management took advantage of that excitement, raised some capital. Uh, and then it went back to something. And I think that's, isn't Miso Blast? I think it's one of those classic examples of you yep. almost set your watch by, watch by that sort of stuff. Uh, lithium, I think, will be that. Can, remember cannabis? Cannabis was the, the everything. Oh, yeah. Now it's the yeah, nothing yep. again. Hot stocks. Um, yep. Right. And, you know, and, and, and frankly, I, I'll say crypto generally. I know you'll, you'll make an exception about Bitcoin, which is fine. But the crypto craze, if I talk about that as a kind of a, a zeitgeisty NFTs, you know, I just, just, just be, when everything, when everything shoots up, maybe it's great because on the back of really good results, maybe it was undervalued to start with. Just be careful. Just be, just be careful. Yep. Yep. Ab- absolutely. And the, the, the contrast I'll call out again here is, mm. is you look at that share price chart over a long period. It tells a certain story. It tells a story of nothing happening, market getting super excited, then super scared, nothing happening, and then the market getting super excited again. So if you were given that as your data point, and this is what everyone just looks at. Too many people, that's the start and end of what what they look at. And you're going to form a certain view around that. But but again, all I did was bring up the most recent presentation and just, again, pretend this is your and my business and we're just catching up for our annual once a year catch up as board members and say, what what has happened here? (laughs) And we see year after year, Growing revenues. Yes, we see a company that's that's still bleeding cash. Uh, absolutely, we see a company that's still dependent on capital markets. But we see a business that that is that is absolutely improving. Now, what yes. conclusions you want to draw? Again, I don't I don't want to get drawn into mm-hmm. in, into that because people will take it as a recommendation or not a recommendation. Yeah. I, don't, I don't I don't want to go there. But my point is is that it's the same thing that you're buying. <laughs> one one lens is going to give you useful information. Another lens is just going to tell you what the market thought in the past. 
and and what that has on the future is probably not much at all. Mm-hmm. So I just again fo- focus your energy where it pays to focus your energy. <laughs> I think that's important, mate. Um, again to all the chartists. Yeah, well, yeah, well, or not. Um, I <laughs> let's let's finish off, mate. With I want to talk about retail sales for a second. Um, because I I don't have a super strong view on retail sales, but I want just to add a, I want to I want to educate our listeners about a little bit on on the folly of not paying close enough attention to the actual data that's being reported. So headline: retail sales down three point nine percent. Subheading: consumers start closing their wallets as interest rate increases bite. Now. There was, this was December sales, by the way. That makes sense, right? Sales mm-hmm. are down, interest rates are up. Therefore, okay, cool, job done. Write a few paragraphs, hit publish. Thanks very much. Now I'm looking at it. Writes, it writes itself. In fact, right. I'm just going to get an article from a couple of years ago, or whatever, and <laughs> change the dates. <laughs> I know I'm not going. I'm not going to bag. Well, see, a couple of years ago is important. I'm not going to bag finance journals too much, but some of them do need to have a bit of a closer look. Uh, speaking of a few years ago, Andrew, it turns out in 2021. December sales were negative compared to November. In 2020, yeah. it turns out December retail sales were yep, negative compared to November. These are month-on-month numbers that have absolute seasonality built into them. The, mm-hmm. the bigger number was that December 2022 was up 7.5% on December 2021. But that didn't get reported because it wasn't as interesting and it didn't serve the preconceptions of those who either were bearish on the economy generally or who saw a number and went, Ah, oh, obviously that's interest rates. And okay, we'll write that one down. 11 months of gains, month on month. Then December's down. See, that's interest rates. See where... Mm. And I just... It just it drives me more than a little bit nutty because it was very, very obviously a seasonal impact. You've only got to look... The ABS give you the entire graph. I literally yeah. scrolled down the thing and went, oh, that's why. And I'm yeah. no genius, but it, 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 a little bit of kind of financial literacy, a little bit of kind of statistical or data... I don't know what the right word is. Not even literacy, just just kind of you know, being familiar and comfortable with the way things can move. For every headline, and there must have been ninety percent of the headlines were exactly that context, mm. right? Of mm. sales are down because, and it just comes down to actually turns out Black Friday is a thing, and the more of us shopping online and we're ordering earlier because we don't want to risk the kids, you know, Lego set not arriving on on Christmas Eve. I want to make sure it's there early so I'll get it. And I just thought it was it was just it was worth highlighting, mate, because. No one's doing it well. A few people are doing it deliberately. Most are either falling for the, I haven't got time, or it suits my preconceptions, or it's what I expected mm. to see, so therefore, mm. this thing happened. And I just, wanted to, I just wanted to call it out because I've you know, I've been asked about it a few times in different media spots, and I'm no, again, I'm, I'm, a, I'm no genius. It's, and I'm not, not, not mm. there to you know, <laughs> tell other people they're wrong, but I didn't hear too many other people making that point that this was exactly what happened the last couple of years, and... Sales were up year on year, and I'm not, I'm not. Nor am I saying, by the way, that it's necessarily great. November's growth was less than the previous couple of years, so together mm-hmm. there was some weakness in retail sales, and that's again the bigger part of the story. But I just, again, it's just whenever you see data presented, particularly, and we just talk about record sales again. That sounds impressive, right? Oh, good, record sales. I'm already feeling good about the company. Just make sure you really understand what's being presented to you. Understand the context of that information. Understand the basis of it versus what. Sales down three point nine percent. Oh, okay. Compared to what? Oh, mm. I don't know. Well, that's your first question. Is that something that's common? Oh, I don't know. Is a sales seasonal? Oh, I don't know. I think you know, January sales will be down on December sales, right? Because December's Christmas. That's like again, it, it shouldn't surprise anybody. So saying you know Easter egg sales are down after Easter. No, something Sherlock. You know, so just just be just be mindful whenever you see data presented, particularly, frankly, by companies who want you to invest in their shares or by journos or economists with a, with a vested interest or an existing preconception, just do yourself a favor and ask the, is that normal? Uh, what, what, what's that compared to? How does that, mm. what does that look like? Um, those sort of things can really change the way you think about your investing. One of my favorite cartoons, or I guess you probably call it a meme these days, is- um, <laughs> All the cool kids do. They, I mean, you'll know, I'm sure everyone's seen this before. There's two booths sort of set up and there's a person standing, sitting at each one. With, there's a sign above one that says, um, easy but wrong answers. And there's another one that says complicated but right. And so variations of these. And the one that's easy but wrong has like a thousand people lined up, uh, you know, uh, to, to go to that booth. And the other one, there's, you know, the, the, the dude sitting there with his hands in his arms. No one's, no one's interested in that. So it's that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think we, we instantly reach for that, that easy yeah. kind of narrative. Um, so yeah, the, the, I, I do cut the journos some slack in the sense that 
they're shockingly, maybe this is just a consequence of me getting older, but you sort of see a lot of them. So shockingly young, <laughs> smart, enthusiastic people, yes. but they've yes. they've been trained in journalism and in yeah. writing. I'm sure yes. they the, the business ones often have a bit of a background mm -hmm. in this kind mm -hmm. of stuff, but it's not like they've got PhDs in economics. And God knows, even those that do have PhDs in economics don't know what they're talking about half the time as well. Yeah. And add to that the time pressure. The Fed chairman just spoke. We need a story on the you know in the pay on the on the website in two hours go yeah, yeah and now you've exactly. got to understand yeah. the depth and complexity and chaos and nuance of monetary theory and complex macroeconomics yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. and digest that and then put that in, in context and make sure that you've got the proper nuance and at the end of the day the idiot two desks across is just going to write a sensationalistic headline <laughs> bang it out in three minutes with chat gpt and get a thousand yeah. times more clicks than you that's the reality of the situation so mm -hmm. unfortunately you've got to think for yourself a little bit here um really and 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 this is this is what uh, you know it's another a bit of a, a tangent here but what is i i do feel for um investors that are all new to this it just feels as though every day someone's telling you oh here's something else that you've now got to become an expert on I'm a dentist. I'm great at my job. I've got a good salary. I just want to save and invest for the future. Yeah. Shares seem like yeah. a good idea. What a genius. What a, that's brilliant. Absolutely. No argument with that. Oh shit. Now I've got to learn economics and <laughs> now I've got to do, now I've got to do accounting on Now I've got to do business studies. Yeah. Now I've got to do yeah. market dynamic. I mean, it's all, yeah. it's, I, I totally, totally get it. And then, yeah. you know, you listen to a pod like us and we're saying that I actually ignore all the headlines as well. Cause they don't know. Like, <laughs> what yourself. the hell, what the hell do I do? How and much I guess, time do you think I have? Yeah. A big a big part of the skill really is actually knowing what to ignore. So I'd, I'm not going to say for a second ignore all the retail sales figures, but I, I would yeah. say don't yeah. don't don't you know one swallow does not a summer make. Don't, any particular yeah. data read is, is not going to make you yeah. jump yeah. one way or the other. At least at least it, at least it shouldn't. And and again, I, I like to make easy predictions. Do I know what retail sales <laughs> are going to be like for the next month or quarter? No yeah. idea. What do I think is likely over the next five or ten years? Well. That's that's an easier one. I think it'll probably be really volatile, but mm -hmm. hopefully, as as with you, I'm actually I'm pretty pretty optimistic longer term. We'll we'll probably see things sort of muddle ahead and move forward. Two 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 forecasts, but one one I've got a much higher degree of confidence in. And so <laughs> there are, there are a lot of things that you can you know take an interest in, of course, but don't don't sweat it if you don't have a high conviction uh, outlook on on the next few months of I don't know retail sales or unemployment or any any other indicator you care to choose. Mm. Yeah, I, I just yeah, I, look, it's not even about retail sales necessarily, mate. I just I just wanted to, and you know what, I this is I, I'm trying to trying to keep three topics in my head at the same time here. Uh, investing, the basics of investing are not overly complex, but it is simple, but if simple just, but not easy to quote our right our friend and Uncle so, Warren. Exactly. So if you're someone who's just getting started, whether you're new, young or old, you're just getting into investing, whatever, whatever, just give yourself cut yourself some slack. You know, go go slowly. Um, start with small amounts and add regularly. Learn as you go. If there if there was an easy if there was an easy way to do it, then firstly, and I would be squillionaires. Secondly, we were written fifteen books. But thirdly, if it was easy, everyone would do it, and there'd be no opportunity left because everyone would do it because it was easy. You know, yeah. the, the, the arbitrage only exists. That is the, the difference between price and value. Effectively, only exists yeah. where there are, you know, considerations to be included that aren't aren't common or universal, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's sentiment. Sometimes that's knowledge. Sometimes that's whatever, whatever it is that, you know, however we're going to earn our outsized returns relative to the market, you get those by doing finding, finding an opportunity where there is mispricing. Because everything's priced properly, there is no opportunity to beat the market because everything's priced mm -hmm. appropriately. Mm -hmm. The so-called efficient markets hypothesis. It's complete rubbish. Uh, you can see mm -hmm. that over the last, look, <laughs> look at the tech stocks we just talked about. Look at Drone Shield. Right, look at look at Facebook uh, down from three fifty to ninety, then back to one hundred and fifty. Mm. Uh, if you believe that's purely about the businesses, you know, known information everyone else knows, then you're kidding yourself, right? That, that is that is pure sentiment, expectation, rates, all sorts of stuff that's that's being thrown in there. The market mm. is not efficient uh, as often as it is. some of the time. Uh, most probably most of the time with most companies, it's efficient, right? Yeah, a lot of the time, generally right. I would say exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yep. But our job is to find the opportunities there, and or buy an ETF, which is again a perfectly wonderful thing to do. Yep. Um, but that that's kind of where the opportunity is. So, if you are getting started, know that your knowledge will build over time. Know that you can't know everything up front, and no one can tell you everything up front. There is no investing course that says this is the way to invest, and when you do it this way, you will beat everybody else. Hmm. Again, because it was possible to be done. Um, 
you know, either you have to take some things on faith or hope you're right or put the work in. But as Andrew said before, and I've said before, it's we don't, nor should you be discouraged from doing it because it is remarkably wealth creating. If you decide to go with a managed fund, so be it. If you decide to go with an ETF, even better than a managed fund. If you want to pick your own stocks and you're half good at it, even better than an ETF. But but just kind of keep that keep that in mind, right? Don't mm. don't feel like you need to know everything. Don't get frustrated you don't know everything. You will make mistakes. You will learn things. Hopefully, this podcast is helping you build that knowledge. So when you go to look at it next time, you see a number, whether it's retail sales, whether it's a record sales announcement from some company, whether it's you know that whatever the, whatever you see, whatever you have to digest. Thinking about cyclical businesses versus businesses that don't have cyclical features. Thinking about companies with high or low margins, high or low growth potential. Mm. Those things are all part of the the journey. So. I, I kind of want. I want to make the point that it can be really complex um, to get the nuances sorted, mm. but while not discouraging you from doing it because you can reasonably quickly. It is like it's an eighty twenty rule, right? You can do most of the work knowing eighty percent of the stuff. Yeah. Um, so I mean, don't twenty percent of the stuff. That that's kind of how it works. Um, so just keep that in mind as well. Yep. Yep. I, well said. We've just hit the hour mark, mate. So that's probably a good time for me to stop talking because you and I know if we start another topic, we'll be here for another 15 minutes. Easy. Will you join me on Sunday? Yeah, looking forward to it. Always enjoy the awesome. mailbag. Yeah, me too. I got a, uh, I got a, a just a quick one. A message through from one of our listeners said, I love the Sunday. They're my favorite episodes each week, which kind of makes me feel bad about these episodes. But we're doing our best <laughs> on Fridays and Sundays. If you've got to have a favorite, I guess there's worse things to have than a Sunday mailbag. It's, uh, it's lots of fun. And we look forward to doing it with you. Until then, full on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under Financial Services Licence 400691.